Morning. How are you? <sighs> I have had a major fight with technology this morning. Anyway, it's nearly Christmas. Nearly Christmas. Everybody excited? Yes. Cool. Everybody busy? Doing what you're doing. Hey, stressing. Oh, that's interesting. We've got so. What about food? Well, Rosie's cooking. No, that's pearly. Is it? Sorry, my mistake. Food. Anything else? Are we looking forward to it? Is it all a hassle? Is it? <laughs> it's all a hassle. Right. I'm hoping that this morning. Uh, we will have just some time of peace and and reflection. Uh, I'm, I'd like to start with uh, I'd like to start with a reading. Uh, it's a it's a poem by a guy called Ogden Nash, and it's called uh, "The Boy Who Laughed at Santa Claus." In Baltimore. There lived a boy. He wasn't anybody's joy. Although his name was Jabez Dawes, his character was full of flaws. In school, he never led his classes. He hid old ladies' reading glasses. His mouth was open when he chewed and elbows to the table glued. He stole the milk of hungry kittens and walked through doors marked no admittance. He said he acted thus because there wasn't any Santa Claus. Another trick that tickled Jabez was crying boo at little babies. He brushed his teeth, they said in town, sideways instead of up and down. Yet people pardoned every sin and views his antics with a grin till they were told by Jabez Dawes there wasn't any Santa Claus. Deploring how he did behave, his parents swiftly sought their grave. They hurried through the portals pearly and Jabez left the funeral early. Like whooping cough from child to child, he spread, sped to spread the rumour wild. Sure, as my name is Jabez Dawes, there isn't any Santa Claus. Through nursery and kindergarten, whispering low to every tot, there isn't any, no, there's not. The children all wept all Christmas Eve, and Japel chortled up his sleeve no infant dared hang up his stocking for fear of Jabel's ribald mocking he sprawled on his untidy bed fresh malice dancing in his head when presently with scalper tingling Jabez heard a distant jingling he heard the crunch of sleigh and hoof crisply alighting on the roof what good to rise and bar the door a shower of soot on the floor what was beheld by Jabez's doors 
the fireplace full of Santa Claus. Then Jabez fell upon his knees with cries, Don't! And pretty please! He howled, I don't know where you read it, but anyhow, I never said it. Jabez, replied the angry saint, it isn't I, it's you that ain't. Although there is a Santa Claus, there isn't any Jabez doors. Said Jabez then with impudent vim, oh yes there is and I am him. Your magic don't scare me, it doesn't. And suddenly he found he wasn't. From grimy feet to grimy locks, Jabez became a jack-in-a-box, an ugly toy with springs unsprung, forever sticking out his tongue. The neighbours heard his mournful squeal. They searched for him, but not with zeal. No trace was found of Jabez Dawes. Which led to thunderous applause, and people drank a loving cup, and went and hung their stockings up. All you who sneer at Santa Claus, beware the fate of Jabez Dawes, the saucy boy who mocked the saint, Donna and Blitzen licked off his paint. I'm going to play you a song which I'll stick the words up so I just it's a slightly different take on the Christmas story so you just sit and listen see what you think Richard? What do you mean? Exactly. Do you know, we're in church and we've come together. We've got no bread and wine. We've got no hymns, no band. You've got no hymn books. John's got a hymn book. <laughs> but he's off piste. <laughs> we have a lot to do at this time of year, don't we? And it is, it is hassly sometimes. If you're hosting, you know, you've got to think about food, where people are sleeping, we're doing presents, blah. And it is stressful and it can be a hassle. It's good fun. 
But the stress is about how we celebrate Christmas. And not necessarily how we remember the birth of Christ. See the difference, you know, you see there's a difference, isn't it? And it struck me as we're approaching this part of the year, how at a time when we are approaching the second most important sort of festival in the Christian calendar, you know, after Easter where we remember the, the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're remembering the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a really important festival. It's a really important time for us. And at this really important time, if we, could, if we forget the birth, and then all we are consumed with is the celebration of Christmas, then are we, we, are we not missing something? And if we can do that now, when... We're reminded everywhere about Christmas, aren't we? From about October, you can barely walk into a shop without seeing a tree or a light or something. What's it like when we don't have the reminder? Now, do not get me wrong. I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love presents. I love food. I love decoration. I am not, for a millisecond, trying to put a damper on what we do But I am hopefully reminding us all that actually at the very centre of our celebration is a remembrance of the fact that God sent his son. But we have to put him at the centre of our celebration. It doesn't happen by default. As Rich has pointed out... That's quite a funny poem. But I couldn't find any correlation with the Gospels. That song by Christa Burr is, is based on a book. And it has very loose connections. It's not remotely Christian. And so sometimes we get distracted, I think, from the things that are important. And it's not that we shouldn't celebrate, but we should remember the reason why we celebrate. I've got three things to say. That's the first one. We need to actively seek God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to actively put him at the centre of our lives. And... It's great to do all this stuff, but we mustn't forget the reason that we do it. Okay, we've done point number one. This is point number two. I've got some questions. The answers to the questions are people in this room. If you had a toothache and you needed some help, who would you go to? Why? He's a dentist. He's a good dentist. He's a good dentist. He's my dentist. We go to Charles. Uh, If you wanted to know or have some advice about uh, secondary school, who might you go and talk to? Why? Is she a new teacher? 
So you, you, does she? It's fine. I was going there if somebody else didn't. So she's been teaching a l- quite a while. If you had a backache, who might you see? Why? Yeah, because he's, he's old. He, he, he looks after bad backs. He's been doing it a long time. Okay, you sort of get the, you get the picture. Stood up for me, please. If you can, everyone just stand up for me. And if you can't, don't stress. If you're over 50, sit down. If you're over 40, sit down. If you're over 30, sit down. If you are over 20, sit down. If you are 14 or under, sit down. If you are a female who is 17 or over, sit down. Okay, all right, okay. I'm sorry, guys. If you're at the front, just, just have a look who is standing up still. And you can see, all right. If you wanted somebody to raise your child, <laughs> who in this room would you pick? That stood up. That's, I don't want an answer. That is, that is what they call in the trade a rhetorical question. Ben, well, if you're not called Ben, sit down. No, no, male, sorry. Everyone, if you're a male and not called Ben, sit down. And if you're female and not called Anna, sit down. <laughs> now, I'm not... Now, uh, now I'd like you to be serious, because we're going to do a Bible reading. Joseph was probably 17. And Mary was probably 15. When God spoke to them, and we have the Christmas story. It's not, it's not definitive, but from what I've read, Jewish tradition at that time married couples of that age. Sorry, please be seated. We're going to read now. And as we read these passages, we're going to read Luke chapter 1, and Debbie is going to come and read that to us, verses 26 through 56. And then Pete is going to come up and read us Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18 through to the the end of chapter 2. And as they read these passages, the first passage, I want you to think about 
a young girl who has just been told that she's going to be the mum of God's son. And in the second passage, I want you to think about Joseph and look at the relationship between God and Joseph. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But who am I so favoured that a mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as, I, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, 
but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Jesus woke up, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men came from eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. 
after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious. When he realised that the wise men had uh, outwitted him, he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth, This fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. I invited myself to lunch at John and Ruth's. I'd like to say earlier this year, but I have a horrible feeling it might have been last year. Over lunch, we we sat and chatted, and John and I ended up having a conversation about how often we feel we... We, say, we get up and we say the same thing. So for a long time, I would talk hardly about hardly anything else in John 3.16. I seem to have parked that for a while. But I've latched onto something else, and I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but I can't help it, and I'm going to do it again. Do you worry or think about your usefulness to God? Do you know, your significance, your ability to uh, live like Jesus, do God's work, make a difference. You're not good enough. I don't know enough. I haven't got enough experience. Who did God choose as parents for Jesus? Was it a set of parents that had, do you know, a really good track record you know, that had 15 absolutely stunning, well-behaved kids. He doesn't choose like we choose. He doesn't see like we see. And our task and our trick is, that's a really stupid choice of words, but you'll understand what I say, is to have the same view of life and our lives as God does to see the world as God sees to make the same choices as God would he chose Mary and Mary and Joseph 
So when we read those passages, did you see Joseph, a young man, in that passage four times God spoke through an angel to Joseph? Four times. And each time Joseph heard God speaking, he listened and he acted. Mary essentially came to him and said, I'm pregnant, but it's God's. And Joseph says, yeah, nice one. Uh, Do you know, I'll write out the certificate of divorce now. And God speaks to him and says, actually, what Mary says is right. And immediately, Joseph takes Mary to be his wife. Three other times God speaks to to Joseph to tell him to take the family and go to Egypt, to come back from Egypt, Egypt because it was safe, but actually not to go back to uh, Nazareth, but to go to Galilee. No, it's not the way we're, not to go back to Bethlehem, but to go to Nazareth. And this young man hears God's voice and has enough faith to act. Mary, at the end of her song, says, I am the Lord's servant. That's why God picked them. Because they were faithful. It's not an age thing. How old was Elizabeth? Zachariah's wife. She was well past childbearing age. Mother of John the Baptist. It's not an age thing. It's not an experience thing. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have done everything. God is calling to us. And as a demonstration of that, he sent his son. We need to seek him. That is our responsibility. We need to know God. And how do we do that? Well, we take advantage of the gift that God gave to us, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. God with us. Just need to be faithful. We're not in a position to judge how good we are, how effective we are. It's not about being religious. The, the Gospels are full, and the New Testament, and the Old Testament for that matter, are full of people who are religious, who did not know God. It's not about being religious. It's about relationship. And God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we should know him. And in this Christmas story, do you know, God's saying, I don't care about your qualifications. I don't care how good you think you are. He will make use of whatever we have if we are prepared to give it. That's the second part. This is the third part. So... Small verse, short verse from Jeremiah. 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's talking about seeking God. And we have this verse from the letter of... That is really rubbish. I am really sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. What is reconciliation? If you, if you have, you know, you have an argument with a friend, if you, you know, you have some sort of separation, a breakdown in a relationship, when that relationship is made good again, that is the process of reconciliation. Sin... Causes a barrier between us and God. God sent the Lord Jesus Christ to call to us, to show us what He is like. Because He wants a relationship with us. It's not rocket science, which is really cool. You need to know enough to know what to respond to. And it doesn't just happen. You know, you've got to give something of yourself. You need to read. You need to know your Bible. Your Bible is, you know, an, an amazing source of knowledge which tells us about God, about God's love, his grace and his mercy. It's about relationship. It's about prayer. It's about being Christ-like. It's about putting it into practice. That's what God calls us to. And he sent his son to show us what he's like. He sent his lovely, perfect son so we would know he is loving, gracious, merciful, forgiving. Doesn't care where you're at. Just wants relationship. And that's what we remember this time of year. The sending of his son. But not just about a birth, not just about a Christmas story... But the real significance is what the gift really means. What was God's plan? What's God's plan for us? He loves us and he wants to know us. And he wants us to be whole. And he wants us to be uplifted and empowered and not crushed by guilt or sin. He wants us to be like his son. Because that's the best for us. And we come together to remember that. What have we learnt? Well, or at least been reminded of, Jesus needs to be the centre. Should have had that as a song. <laughs> Jesus needs to be the centre. Not just now, not just during our celebrations, but always. We are rubbish at judging how qualified we are to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We give what we have 
God can do extraordinary things with the things that we think are ordinary. Seek God and open our hearts and our minds. God will bless us and we will be more Christ-like. Hope you have a really happy Christmas. Hope it's a fantastic celebration. Hope Jesus is at the very centre of it.